Hello everyone, just a quick heads up before you listen to this week's show to let you know that after the end music there is a short conversation between myself and Hannah Brown Filmography about the newly launched Lomachrome Metropolis Kickstarter, so stay tuned for that. Okay, on with the show. Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, this is show number 159 and uh, well we've got an exciting show for you this week. First of all though, uh, Rach, how are you doing? Hi Aid, I'm good thank you. It's really lovely to be here. We are unfortunately without our boy wonder today aren't we? Yes, yes unfortunately. Yeah, um, but uh, but it's lovely to be here with yourself. And as you mentioned, we have some lovely super special guests too to chat to. Um, I've been um, busy today catching up on um, various editing projects and bits and pieces I need to do. I'm getting prepped, ready for uh, running um, an eco day um uh analog photography workshop on uh friday uh so uh looking forward to to getting that done and uh have been doing some video production freelance work as well this week uh, working with um a group of deaf participants so that's been that's been really interesting um because i i'm quite um uh, obviously a visual person and it's really interesting to see how um, people in the deaf community communicate um, obviously very visually as well so it's a, a kind of like slightly different language but there's also quite a lot of crossover there so that has been really interesting for me mm, wow okay week. that's good mm. stuff so well i tell you what we should introduce our guest shouldn't we so um we, we uh, yes so uh let, let, please welcome everybody to the show marwan and karis are from photo classic international uh, magazine (laughs) Uh, yeah well welcome to the show guys thank thank you for joining us um it's uh uh it's it's quite a big project isn't it photo classic (laughs) (laughs) honestly it's yeah it's enormous yeah (laughs) it's one of these things where you say after you notice what you have to do if you would start again (laughs) (laughs) and like having children really you know it's like if you really knew ahead of time what it was going to be like you might go oh my god really am i am i really sat for this but is it really that bad it's really great (laughs) i have two children is it really that bad (laughs) Uh, it's close i have two children of my own and i can say it's close yeah (laughs) okay wow that is that is some undertaking you've got there then well i i guess uh you know yeah the the name um uh, means something to to rachel and i of course um but may not mean uh something to everybody in in our listeners uh, listeners sorry in our listeners uh all our listeners in in our listenership (laughs) thank you rachel for correcting my language (laughs) yeah that might happen a lot tonight actually because i've had a very busy day at work myself but um so uh, tell us what um, tell us what exactly is Photo Classic International? Well, Photo Classic um, started in 2012 in Germany. It was a project by two German editors, 
Um, at a time where really nobody believed in analog photography anymore and also not in print. Um, in 2012, they just said, okay, let's do an analog print magazine in high quality. <laughs> and everybody, everybody was laughing in the, in the business and said, well, analog is dead and print is dead. What's more dead than an analog printed magazine? <laughs> um, Interesting-wise, a lot of the publications who were writing um, the funeral speech for Photo Classic are not existing anymore today. Right. <laughs> so, and uh, it was really a success, and uh, it reached a lot of young photographers. And um, uh, in 2014-15, we suddenly noticed that there is definitely a demand from international readers. Mm. Uh, on the 2016 Photokina, we suddenly had Japanese coming to our stand and they just, they just said that they love the magazine. And we, just said, and, and we knew that a lot of Japanese speak German. And mm. we asked them if they speak German. They said, no, we don't, but we like it. That is a magazine about analog photography. <laughs> so right, okay. The idea came, um, well, maybe we should try um, to do something as an international one because there was nothing on the market. Um, view camera, for example, disappeared um, a short time before we had that decision. And so we said, maybe it's time to go international now. Brilliant. I actually saw that there was a photo or there is a photo and an article in the current edition, um, which is of Bellamy, Bellamy uh, from Japan Camera Hunter. So was he one of the people who you chatted to at Photokina? Well, no, at that time not. Um, a, l last year he was on the 2018 mm -hmm. Photokina. We just had him there on our stand too. Um, but um, we we tried to convince him to write for the German Photo Classic. So he writes a column there uh, mm -hmm. for many years now uh, because we always wanted to have something uh, international in the German one and mm -hmm. someone who reaches also or speaks the language of the of the younger community. And um, so we asked Bellamy to do that and he did it. And later on, we just uh, we said, OK, now it makes sense also to have him uh, write a column in the international one. So he's a constant member of the team, we can say. Fantastic. Yeah, he's definitely a, a valuable contributor. Yeah, yeah. And um, so when I was actually looking at your website, I saw that it said Photo Classic International Print Magazine is focusing on the entire world of analogue film photography. So you, you right. couldn't get much bigger than that, really, could yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I said the it's like having enough. children. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> no I think um, just kind of going back to, to Mavan's story, um, I entered the the picture uh, at the time when Mavan was thinking about um, trying to put together an international version of the German photo classic. And uh, I had met Mavan um, about a year earlier, I think, um, because I'm actually a violinist by profession and not a photographer. I and uh, I see I saw some video of you playing Happy Birthday on your beautiful <laughs> acoustic yeah, violin. Yeah. At, uh, Analog Wonderland. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but that's actually that's my my day job. Let's say <laughs> I'm a violinist with the Frankfurt Radio Symphony, but I've also always um, loved writing and things. And uh, um, I met Mavan because I was also doing some some modeling, and he asked me to do some modeling for him. And that's how I got involved with the whole analog photography community. And um, it just really, yeah, it really resonated with me as a classical mm -hmm. musician. I just feel that we have so much in common, really, analog photographers mm -hmm. and, and classical musicians. And just, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and so I got involved with the whole project. And uh, then as we were kind of hashing out what, 
the international version of photoclassic could be, it became fairly obvious that we couldn't just translate the German version. Um, the German market really wants a different kind of product than would be appropriate for an international mar um, market. And so we, we pretty quickly came to the, to the decision that we were going to have to do our own content. We couldn't just translate the, the German um, right. magazine. And so then it was really kind of a big, okay, deep breath and, and jump into the deep end. And, and how are we going to do this? And who are we going to contact? And mm. it turned out to have been really remarkably easy. People were so enthusiastic about it. Um, just the idea of it, that mm. they were all just like, oh, yeah, definitely. I'd love to have, you know, be featured. I'd love to be part of the project. And how can we help? And mm. and it, that was a super positive experience for us, just seeing how many people were so excited to to hear what we wanted to do and, and wanted to help. Especially at, at the beginning, we thought we cannot afford that person. For example, people like Bruce Barnbaum, who mm. is a was a, um, a student of Ansel Adams and a yes, very, very well-known photographer and uh, well also with an extreme high reputation and we just he said he's going to join the project I said but I don't know how what's your rate and he said okay we'll talk about that later I love the project I'm on it so, <laughs> oh, that's great that is isn't it when you've got that much enthusiasm and passion yeah. from the team that's fantastic that is the way to build up a team, isn't it? Um, just simply through from that enthusiasm to get get people on board and get them ready, you know, sort of like to champion what it is that you're doing with it. Fantastic. You couldn't get better than that. Absolutely. Um, and it's um, funny um, that you were talking about the your background, obviously, um, uh, Karis, because uh, I'm also a classical violinist. No. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I play I play classic and uh, classical acoustic and electric um, violin and what have you as well uh, as a sessional. Um, so um, my my business, which is Little Vintage Photography, is my is my full time job. Obviously, running my business, but um, I also work as a sessional violinist, and um, I definitely think there's. There's a lot of crossover between music and analog photography and photography, I think, in general. Um, Aid is also a musician, you know, Graham's a musician. There's, there's so many people who I've found um, since coming into the analog photography community who are also very interested in music. And I think um, partly, I don't know if you feel like this as well, Karis, but it's um, it's because it is, it's an analog uh, way of expressing ourselves, isn't it? In, in the same way. Yeah, and I think uh, artists just have so much in common, no matter how, you know, how you choose to express yourself um, through art, you know, which medium you choose, we we definitely all have something in common, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so you came on board to, um, to, so basically at this point, you're saying you've got, you've ended up with two magazines, you weren't expecting there to be two magazines, but you, you've got the German version, obviously, and now you've got the international as well. Do you still release it as, as the two versions or not now? Yeah, the German version has a total different team. It's even a, a different publisher. So um, we, the um, I was writing for the German one since 2013. I was quite early, I think, with the second or the third issue. I just came on board because they just asked me uh, if I could write an article about uh, a Minolta uh, Dynax 9. Um, it was a gear article, and I just jumped on it. And I, after that, I was nearly in every in every German issue. 
So um, and you wrote that, your own role there. <laughs> well, well, the, the problem was really you couldn't find people to write on analog gear or on analog techniques. It was definitely uh, a very difficult time to find right people who still knew about about analog photography or could write about it. So um, well, the German is still is still parallel to it. Um, we sometimes just discuss that we don't have overlappings because a lot of uh, our readers, we have also a huge amount of German readers, yeah, um, just getting also both magazines, the German one and the international, mm-hmm. because we really try to separate them. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we, we talk about a film like the Ectochrome, okay, the content will be very similar, but um, yeah. Yeah, we don't really, I mean, I'm sorry to jump in and correct you, but we don't actually have to try to separate them because... Um, we are two completely different magazines. Mm. We're completely different publishers. We only the only team member who is the same is Mavan, and he writes articles for the Photo Classic in Germany. But um, Photo Classic International is really its own its own baby, and so um, there isn't there can't be a lot of overlap unless Mavan decides to um, write an article on the same subject in both magazines. Mm. Yeah. Interesting stuff. It's great. It's mm-hmm. great that you can get something that has an international, you know, uh, audience you know, for, from something that starts being in in one country. Um, so it's it's often it's something I think about, which is it would be it be it's. It'd be great to get uh, a more international audience for yeah, but but we, yeah. we broadcast yeah. in English, and so unless unless people can understand English, there's very little yeah, the, point. The German the German market is very special because you know it is um, especially the German language community in Europe is very big. We're talking about let's say 120 million uh, people in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Um, so um, it started to develop its own dynamics. Um, it's different when, it, for example, in the UK, people in India speak English, in Hong Kong they speak English, in the United States, everywhere in the world, everybody speaks English. And you have so many different cultures using English as a language. So in order to address them, we can't just get, we have to get in a total different way uh, to them. And that was also the important thing to say, we need contributors from all over the world. Coming back to the entire world of analog photography. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, let, let's talk about those contributors then, if I may, because you, you've you've got a handy page at the back of the magazine that <laughs> that, that <laughs> has little bios of each of the uh, yeah. each of the contributors. And and as Rach said, we know one of them. We know Bellamy. <laughs> Um, yeah. but you've several got familiar names aren't there yeah, there, uh, yes yes well so, some of them are fa- some of them are familiar to me because they're famous others others <laughs> uh, uh, others well let's say one of them is famous because i've i've spoken to him before but yeah so uh, you, you but you've got um if i just look through some of the countries here i mean you've got you've got contributors from the usa from from russia uh clearly from from germany as well france spain japan oh no that's bellamy <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can never figure out whether I count Bellamy as Japanese or British. I'm not sure that he knows the answer I, I, either. Exactly. I was going to say, he <laughs> yeah, doesn't exactly. know either. <laughs> I know that he, 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 certainly, he certainly doesn't ever want to move back to the UK. So that's... Uh, so. Well, you mentioned something, yes. <laughs> so, so, yeah, how do you, how do you go about attracting such a, a diverse, uh, you know, geographically diverse, but also in their interest, diverse group of, of contributors? It's a fantastic breadth you've got. Mm. Yeah, the the funny thing is, it's it's not been difficult, really. People are just so excited. And um, it's basically been, we kind of looked around and said, who would we like to have writing on this subject and wrote them an email? And they said, yeah, definitely. 
you know, I'm in. And that's been really just across the board. It's been such a joy to work with everybody. And then um, once we got a little bit more established, we also just started getting emails with people who say, I know this brilliant person and I'd love to do a um, portfolio on them or, you know, people submit their own work or we just by chance happen to see something on, you know, on social media, a post mm. and we'll say, wow, this is brilliant stuff. And then you look them up and you find out, oh, this is a professor, like a really highly <laughs> respected <laughs> professor in, in, in Russia. And, you know, he's been working for decades and studied with the most famous people in Russia. And you just happen to see them on, on mm. Facebook, you know. And, it's amazing, um, isn't it? it, it it's it kind is. of like these yeah. all these sort of like hidden superpowers that people have is, is yeah. kind of how I see it. It's like, oh, yeah. by, by day you do this. And then by night, there are these incredible photographers working with these beautiful processes that are over 200 years old. You know, it's like it just mm. seems crazy how, how that works. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really great. Well, sometimes it's um, it's a call, also a, um, a a language problem. Sometimes when we just get in touch <laughs> with them and uh, uh, they write English, but uh, well, you could definitely notice it is Spanish what you learned first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I do. Um, I'm pretty much the only native English speaker on the editing staff. Mm -hmm. um, right. So all the articles that come in in either non-native English or yeah. possibly, I suspect, Google-translated English sometimes, <laughs> um, yeah. then it, it does take quite a lot of work to get them into, you know, proper mm. editorial com content. And um, one of the things that we really wanted to be very careful about is that we, we don't want to just be kind of a, like a photo book. Mm. And we also don't want to duplicate a bunch of content that you can find elsewhere on the web, you know, because what's really the sense in printing stuff that you can just read on the web. Um, yeah. So what's nice about the, the format is that we can give really, really high quality reproductions, um, which is super important to us. But we can also go a bit more in depth on the stories about things, you know, more in depth than you could go in like a three minute read online article. And it's something that um, you can really you can have and you can read it again and you can go into detail and you can also just have fun with with the beauty of language, which is something else that I kind of feel fits right in with the whole classical music and analog photography mm -hmm. thing. A lot of people have a have an appreciation for the beauty of language. And we we try to make that a part of the whole aesthetic of the magazine so that everything is not only a high quality content, but it's also the way it's presented visually and also in terms of language is, is very high quality. But it's very important to say that also want to keep a bit the um, the characteristics of the different cultures in it. For example, that mm -hmm. Russian guy who was talking about that Kiev camera, we just he was just writing in a way full of pride and you just could, it, it, you, you just had to hear the Soviet anthem in exactly. the background and, and some right <laughs> back. And it's just, if you just translate that uh, too cool, then you just destroy the beauty of it. Mm. And we just want to keep that. Yeah, yeah, we try to keep all the voices intact. Yeah. yeah. I really love that. It's a beautiful approach, actually, um, that you're trying to keep um, the real personality from the people who are writing in. Um, does that present any challenges? I'm just wondering whether, um, you know, or, or any barriers perhaps to to contributors who perhaps, as as we, a lot of us who are photographers, 
think visually rather than necessarily in words. Have you found there's been any difficulties um, or anybody who sort of maybe thought, oh, I'd love to submit or I'd love to, you know, be a contributor, but I'm not quite sure how to write alongside that? Or is that not something you come across yet? Um, well, the strange thing is I've, I've heard that from quite a few of our contributors. They said, oh, you know, I'd love, I have so many ideas, but, I, you know, I can't write. I'm just like, well, mm-hmm. just, you know, give me something and, and I'm sure we'll work something good out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, in the end, it turns out um, I, I think I'm getting better at it as I go along because I hadn't done um, a lot of that kind of editing. I'd done more writing for myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting better at really just encouraging people to write in their own voice and then um, making the, the flow of the language a bit easier to, you know, for the reader, but keeping their voice intact. And I think that's been one of the things that um, I've really enjoyed as the magazine has gotten through, you know, the first the first uh, issues where we were still struggling a little bit to, you know, to really get the flow of everything mm-hmm. is, is to find this way of, of helping anybody who has something to say to, to the community to get out there and say it, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's been a great experience. That's awesome. And um, in terms of um, how many you've produced now as international, uh, are you on, I could see in the shop that there's, I think, four, is that right? Um, And I think you're in the middle of a deadline and and what have you at the moment today, aren't you? Do you want to tell us like what's happening with that? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, um, I've got 25 folders in a Dropbox for a graphic (laughs) designer. Um, Twenty of them are all starred, ready to go, and the other ones aren't quite. And the uh, yeah, they were all supposed to have had their stars by today. So um, we're kind of <laughs> we're working a bit um be behind on that deadline. But uh, yeah, in general, this is the uh, the one that we're working on right now for the graphic designer is issue three of 2019, which is indeed our fourth issue. So there's three that are already out there and can be bought. The, the, the first one was the inaugural issue, which doesn't have a number. We had a right. special edition with 130 pages. Normally it has 100 pages. Okay. And uh, we wanted to launch it after the successful Kickstarter mm. at the mm. Photokina, as promised. So um, that was the, the launch at Photokina 2018. Yeah, that was kind of our baptism and by fire, you know. <laughs> it's like we, we really set ourselves this goal. We wanted to have something in our hands and ready to give to people at Fedokina. And it was incredibly yeah. tight for those 130 pages. But we actually managed to do it and then get it to all the, the Kickstarter people on time. And um, and we figured, okay, so we managed that. The other, the 100-page versions, that's going to be, you know, a piece of cake, right? Yeah, <laughs> we've done 130 under this insane deadline then. Yeah. 100 pages, no problem. Exactly. <laughs> so are you looking at releasing one each quarter then? Is that the idea? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so it's sort of like seasonal as well, which is really, which is really nice. Um, I guess that's part of um, what gives you the opportunity to go that little bit deeper and that little bit more in depth, as you were mentioning, rather than it being news as such. You know, we're not looking at that. We're looking more at uh, a longer conversation or around a particular, you know, topic. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, we have we have kind of a, um, a theme. It's not exactly really a theme. It's just kind of a common thread for a lot of articles in each issue. And um, we also have over the issues, we have some things that go on in a series of articles. We've got, for instance, from, from the UK, we've got Andrew Sanderson, who's an Ilford master printer. And he's been doing a, a series of articles about darkroom printing for us. And um, 
I'm really excited about the one we're just uh, going to bring out in, in issue three, where he goes into really creative printing and the, and the artistic possibilities of it. But they're meant to be um, kind of like a, a library. You know, like people used to collect National Geographic issues yeah. and go back yeah. and things up. Well, this is the same sort of thing. We think about this as kind of a reference mm -hmm. library that you yeah. can build up over time. And mm -hmm. then you'll have like, you can go back to basic techniques, but even in the middle of the basic technique articles, we tried to include tips for more advanced people. And these are from real masters who are writing about it. Um, and so you've got, you know, basic lighting things and darkroom mm -hmm. development and printing and all those kind of things. But um, then as time goes on, we'll just keep going on with those series and get into, you know, different techniques. And um, that's kind of the the gear and techniques sections that go along with the portfolios and the, and the reproductions. Now, one basic idea was really to get that to have a bridge between those who were um, the masters like Bruce and Andrew Sanderson uh, and the new generation, because we cannot say that, well, analog photography has reinvented itself mm. after the rise of digital photography. And the analog photography in 2010 or 2015 was a total different thing than mm. in 1990. Um, and the photographers today they don't for them it's not a big difference if they just if they use uh, digital or analog it's just kind of it, it's an extension of 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 their um way to express themselves through photography so um so we want to on one side want to preserve the knowledge from these guys mm -hmm. like like Bruce and on the other side we just want to get the the creativity of the modern photography in in on film mm -hmm. um together in one magazine I, I like that a lot actually because that that yeah, that speaks to me even in that you know i love my collection of, of film cameras and i and i use them a lot but i also love my little collection of digital cameras <laughs> and yeah. and it's different you know so if if i what am i going to do if i if i want to take a portrait of somebody and i want it to be a, have a really nice feel to it then i'll pick up a, a medium format film camera yeah. you know but if i if i'm going to school sports day where i need to be able to move quickly and 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 you know maybe take lots of shots just to get one good one then then clearly yes. that's something for digital although yeah. sometimes it's the other way around as well i mean sometimes i use digital because i i want to achieve a particular thing so it's mm. yeah. and sometimes you're using the mobile phone and then there's nothing wrong with it and it's exactly. you just you just you want to be creative and, and and i think that what our readers also want to be and we just we are just focusing on the analog part now there's mm -hmm. enough uh, sources out there for all the digital photographers, and yeah. uh, what we saw was really a lack of sources um, or print sources for mm -hmm. for analog photographers. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. I mean, we we some of the the things that you've been saying about how how the world has changed over the period you've been doing this that that's similar to even to us in a shorter time scale on on Sunny Sixteen because <laughs> we started Sunny Sixteen uh, actually just over three years ago, I think now. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. and uh we we should have celebrated actually did we say we didn't celebrate our third birthday rage <laughs> don't think we did we well you see because i i um came on board uh over two just over two years ago now 
now, um, yeah. I think. So you and Graham were floundering right. around before me. Yeah, we did. We, we, need, <laughs> we, we needed somebody to help us be a little bit more together and to add that, <laughs> add that, add that special yeah. sauce. And then, then we found Rach, so it was all right. Yeah. But it the, was all okay then. It was Maybe all okay after that. Play a happy birthday on the violin next time. Well, that. exactly. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah. Paris, we should, we should do it a little duet, shouldn't we? <laughs> so, but it's, I'm in. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we've seen, even in just three years, um, we've seen a big change in the analog photography podcasting world. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there were very few um, uh, analog photography podcasts available when we started out. Um, you were one of only like one or two uh, in the UK. Um, probably i mean the, yeah. the the big one at the time and still isn't it is the big one of course is the film photography project which is yeah which um comes out of the usa but it's uh right. uh yeah the, and so, but that was very very dominant at the time whereas now there's a lot of voices out there and i think that's a great thing um we get to hear different stuff um do you do you find that there are others now doing print uh magazines or print publications of any sort around specifically analog photography well, what we heard, we heard about several projects, um, but uh, most of them are in the 500 or 1,000 uh, issues level. Yeah, print run. Yeah. I think they're also uh, more, okay. focused yeah. on, um, they're more focused on presenting yeah. portfolios of people yeah. who are, you know, active and mm-hmm. um, maybe younger, not so well-known people. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as we know, we're the only ones who are putting out an actual, like, uh, a, a journal with a lot of um, content, like, mm-hmm. the, the you know, the word content, as it were. Yeah. Ah, and, okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, that, yeah, so one, one of a kind then. Excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at, at the moment, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would change, I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a big undertaking, isn't it? You know, because you, you're into, when you're talking about your print runs, you're talking about something like 100,000, is that right? No, we are less than. I mean, nowadays, um, ten thousand units. Oh, sorry, ten thousand. But yeah. um, that's a lot, especially yeah. for a niche magazine. Um, and um, yeah, but it's yeah. similar to the German one, right? And it's different from a five hundred print run, you know, or you know, uh, there's, there's, a, yes. there's a big, big difference there, isn't there? Um, well, there is a difference. Is- if you just have, let's say, twenty or thirty, just just transport it in your house or in your office uh, you can imagine how <laughs> heavy that is the paper is very heavy just... I was just going to say actually it kind of takes us on to what we were talking about before we started recording which was um, I think in one of the first messages we exchanged Mark, when you said um, that the I don't know if this was the first edition uh, the special edition one uh, but you said it was like something like 700 Grabbed or something? Yeah. Oh my goodness! It's also a challenge to send it via mail because um, you know the German the German uh, post after 500 grams the price for shipment increases mm-hmm. significantly. Yeah. And, and we're um, always over that. Yeah. Even yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we thought after the first special edition maybe we'll cut. No, we're still over yeah. that. So it's kind of <laughs> So the question was, should we really have 100 pages? Should we go to 80 or should to 90 just just to get it more cost efficient? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we just said no. We just promised 100, and we just go with it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's still, that's still quite impressive. If I get my mental arithmetic right, that's seven tons. <laughs> that's a lot to have in your house, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> a lot of magazines. And yeah. storing it, storing it is also a challenge. And we learned all these things while we were doing it, um, because uh, you know you need someone who is just restoring it. And, a, and and when you get your magazine, you want to open the envelope, and it should smell like fresh paper and nicely coming out of the print and um, you don't want it being uh, damaged with uh, kind of bites from mice or whatever there's also a special storage for that it has to be climatized um, uh, warehouse and all these things so you've had to learn to be a, a, a production professionals in, in not not just in the creative sense, but in, in the in the supply chain and manufacturing sense, I yes. guess. Have you? Our background was supplying it to Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, and suddenly we noticed there are we have readers in Greenland. So <laughs> right, <laughs> we get it there. So and on time, and 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 we had some, you some put problems it on a pigeon, could you? Be too heavy. <laughs> Sorry, Marwin. I was just saying you couldn't you couldn't attach it to a pigeon; it'd be too heavy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well. Maybe two birds like the coconut on the, you know the monkey yeah. python. Uh, yeah, that, it's Sorry. and it's, it's it's good to it's it's good and and in some ways to me maybe not quite so surprising to hear that there's such a, a big demand for this in Germany because I do uh, another podcast with a German and and he gets very involved in the analog photography community as as well. Um, and he always tells me that there's a lot of a lot of love for the the analog photography still in in Germany and and growing. And I guess that's what you found with the the German publication. Are, are there any are there any um, international hotspots? Yeah, particular countries or regions where you think the the analog photography is really growing. Yeah, actually, we, we hear about quite a few of them, and we're, we're just um, starting to get into contact with all sorts of different scenes. There's um, in Eastern Europe, um, in Poland and, and places like that, there's actually a huge um, Ukraine, Ukraine yeah. Yeah. Um, but also in Australia, um, mm. South Africa. I mean, you'd expect it in the States, and there, there definitely is, um, and, and in Canada, um, and of course, the UK. Just a few days, we got a call from a guy in India. Oh, yeah. He just got the magazine in Dubai because we have there a gallery, the Empty Quarter Gallery, which sells the magazine, and he bought it there. And on his way to Bangalore, he was just reading it. And suddenly, he just saw the phone number in it, and he called me while I was in the car. And he said, <laughs> Germany and get a course because we run something called Photo Classic Academy, and he just wanted to have a course about analog photography. And he told me that in India, analog Photography is exploding um, among young people, mm-hmm. and they have a lack of labs, and they want to learn everything about it in order to open one. So, <laughs> very stories. interesting, very yeah. very interesting, and also a very very good segue into talking about some of the other things that mm. that, that happen under under the the Photo Classic in international brand. Um, you know, because you do you do provide those, those workshops and and other services as well, don't you? Yeah, we started with the German Photo Classic two years ago, um, before the International was launched, and we worked together with industry. And one thing we learned was that, uh, you know, there are a lot of family-run businesses here in Germany, 
like Jobo or also Adox with Mirko Bödecker from, from Photo Impacts. Mm -hmm. And uh, these are small companies, but they're doing an extreme important job for the analog community. Um, and uh, they definitely, and what is the problem that a lot of people are just buying used materials? So it's a kind of a problem that uh, small companies cannot survive. If, if you, I mean, if you only buy an old light meter, although mm -hmm. you can buy a new one, which is maybe 50 euros more expensive than the used on eBay. So we said, okay, we have to give people um, a feedback, how to use materials, getting them in touch with the industry and just trying out new products and learn how to use them. Do you know what? That's a really interesting conversation. We did a couple of podcasts earlier this year on the economic sustainability uh, mm -hmm. of and I think um, I think Bellamy was on one of those shows, wasn't he, Rach? Did we have a conversation mm. with Bellamy about about I'm sustainability? Sure we did. Yeah, and and, and yeah. generally speaking, you know, it seems to have been at least in in the UK, and I think some other countries as well. That that um, there's a perception that film cameras or, or analog photography in general should be cheap. Should, yeah. Yeah, should should be inexpensive and of course that what uh, that 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 ends up becoming a problem in itself doesn't it yeah people complaining that the, you know, the cost of a particular camera has gone up five times in the last year well okay there are some celebrities now having you know their their i don't even know the names of these cameras i'm sure uh, but but the little point and shoot cameras and suddenly you have to pay two thousand euros for a camera because <laughs> um, right, it was on the tonight show yeah yeah that, that sort of thing yeah and 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 yeah, how that was... actually that both that's both a bad thing because it pushes up the price but it also get you know it helps people understand maybe that that actually these things are expensive to, to manufacture and very challenging mm. to manufacture yeah. and that you do need to be paying the going rate you know you do need to pay money real money for film real money for cameras and, real money and, for chemicals and, and lab yes. services there, i think there was a conversation wasn't there that was um with anil and uh stephen dowling i believe uh mm. we were talking about that as well and um that also that we've got quite a lot now of you know several hundred types of film emulsion and what have you so that is really kind of exploded where mm -hmm. we still seem to be uh, lagging behind a bit is in terms of the manufacture of new analog cameras right. uh, so it's when those analog cameras that we currently have access to stop working or we we stop being able to repair them or the people who repair yeah. them are no longer around to be able to do that's that that's also a problem that's also that's a problem and that's what we are also trying to focus on um we have still a lot of specialists alive who know how to do that um sometimes the even the, the spare it, part engineering but the knowledge, the know-how, how to how to repair something mechanical is really a problem. And uh, if you just see that if something is not uh, um, done in a period of 25 years, um, knowledge gets lost. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have really to, uh, to stop. It's really shocking me fast. You know, yeah. something that could have been just absolutely everyday routine. If, if suddenly the, the bottom drops out of the market for the need, and and those people who you know who were trained to do it, then they don't train the next generation. Yes. Then then it's just gone. We don't know how to do it anymore. And that's one of the things that we're we're concerned about, and we're trying to save some of that knowledge mm -hmm. and and encourage people. Look, we've got to pass this on, and there's got to be more people who who can do it. And it's not just about making cameras, but I mean, there's a whole 
branch of, of infrastructure that's actually in danger. And we need to be really actively supporting that. We need mm. to be actively getting people to to learn how to carry it forward and to make some new products. Otherwise, um, as much enthusiasm as there is in the analog community, it's not going to be sustainable unless people are really willing to to invest in the, in the community. Mm. And mm. eBay will an endless source for used no. cameras um, so if you just if you just imagine that the last new cameras were built in 2002 2003 and we just now nearly 20 years from from now it is it's they are old and the manufacturers never never thought that these things will be 20 years and longer uh, in use mm-hmm. yeah it's, just, I, it, it's interesting it, isn't it because i've got some i've got two two nikon slrs that mm-hmm. date from the 1980s um, and I've had them both serviced in the last few years. But the guy yeah. who does it, um, I mean, he he retired from, I think was semi-retired from his, his actual real job of doing that, but he managed to keep hold of some of the measuring equipment, the technical equipment. Uh, but even that now, he's stopping doing that now. Um, I think it's just nothing in it for him anymore. Um, and so if those cameras ever need servicing again, I'm, I'll have to find somewhere else. And, you know, and that's, and they're, they're, that's, for example, a very good thing that Yuho from Camera Rescue is doing. And um, that's something that has to be supported extremely. Mm. And people also have to know that uh, it costs money. Um, so someone has to sit there for several hours a day and uh, re- repair these cameras and they they deserve and teach it. that as well and teach that to somebody else so that it can be sustainable and, and i saw that um um yuho had um they it was great news you know from um, my perspective i was thinking oh this is brilliant because they were actually you know put a call out for apprentices you know right. to yeah. come on board and and be part of that and um i think because um one of the things that really shocked me um was because um as part of um my my small business um i invented a a kit an analog adventure kit to introduce kids to um the idea of the physics of light and the chemistry and what have you you know making some prints and and building a pinhole viewer so Mm -hmm. it's not even like building the camera but it's building the viewer so that they can actually see how light works you know see the world upside down that kind of thing um and i found it totally shocking that children of like six seven didn't have the confidence to cut and stick Oh, they literally oh. were just like, how do I do this? And I'm I'm there going, okay, well, it's just some sellotape and you take a pair of scissors and you cut this. And it, was, it wasn't until I realised that it was actually a lack of confidence. I was thinking, what is going on? Like their motor skills, they just don't yeah. have the same motor skills. They don't have Sometimes, that yeah. as part of their lives normally. So I was like, yeah, this is something that's actually really important. We need to still, you know, be able to encourage them to do this and for them to feel like, yes, I can do that. You know, it's not a scary thing to kind of like cut and stick this together. Once they've done it, they're like, this is amazing. I made this from nothing with my bare hands, you know. But (laughs) it was just, I I was just thinking back to, you know, myself as a child. It was like, you take stuff apart, you put it back together. You're always building something, making something, sticking things where they're not supposed to be. (laughs) I don't know, you know, I was just thinking, Huh? Where, where have we lost that? A, you know, wiping on an LCD screen. Yeah. <laughs> we just noticed that um, a few months ago, we went in an amusement park in Germany and had a, a an analog camera with me, and I just asked one of the visitors there just to take a photo of us. Mm-hmm. And he he was an older generation guy. I mean, he was definitely 50, 55. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, he didn't know where to push the button and how to push the button. It was kind of <laughs> strange, you know. <laughs> Yeah. The world is cha- the world is changing, but it's great. To, so so it's great to know that you know that there's there's you know projects like like yours out there that are looking to um uh to to preserve some of that and and mm. and I guess you know as in the concept of of photo classic as as an archive and as a reference library as I think you referred to it earlier. Um, mm. Yeah, that, that that will always be there. Then people people will always have the the the, the opportunity. Um, you, the you, we talked we started onto this by talking about or starting to talk about uh, the Silver Grain Studio Lab and and then the Photo Classic Academy. I mean, how how do those all fit into you know all, all of this space? I guess. Well, uh, you want to talk about it? Or should I talk about it? Uh, okay, I'll start. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's really an, an amazing little complex here in, in Bad Nauheim in Germany, which is very close to the Frankfurt airport. So it's very central to Europe. It's very easy to get to. And um, the idea behind it was really to combine um, a whole bunch of, you know, the kind of equipment that makes photographers' eyes shine when they come into a room. <laughs> that you know, sounds good. That we, sounds good already. Like, You've got me sold. Yeah. Where do I get a ticket from? Our little <laughs> anime. Yeah, you know, just sparkly eyes. We'd yeah. love to give you guys a tour. No, but um, it's really, it's so fascinating for me, particularly just as, as a bit of an outsider in the whole, you know, photography club, um, just to watch people come into the uh, to the room in the, in the studio and lab and just to watch their, their mouths fall open, their eyes open they go wow oh i always wanted for the oh did you look at that oh and they got two drum scanners oh my god <laughs> and there's just it's really like children in a candy store i love it i love watching that effect um but to just combine um a whole bunch of the equipment that everybody always wanted to own mm-hmm. and then a whole bunch of people who are absolutely passionate about passing on how to use it and mm-hmm. and getting the community together and you know get people who really enjoy it together and um this real world interaction because as much as we're really happy that we have a print magazine it's mm-hmm. still not actually face to face and um, that's kind of the the face to face arm of the the whole silver grain family of which uh, Photo Classic International is a part. And in, and at the end of the day, photography is a practical thing. You just have to do it. You have to work it. Mm. You have to develop, and you have to see the image um, appearing in that developer when you're on that red light. And uh, it, it's definitely something where you have to 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 deal with the people directly. Mm. And that's what we are doing experience it in person did did the um the magazine come first or the lab come first it's like chicken and the egg isn't it but <laughs> i was just wondering how how the whole kind of um thing came together um if you like <clears throat> well it it we started to to write about these things and mm-hmm. and and then people start asked, "Can we try that? Where can we try it?" And ah, okay. in, in former times, you just could go to your Photoshop yes. in, in yeah. town, and you just said, "Okay, I want to buy a light meter." Can and the guy behind the counter was explaining it to you, and most of the time, he was a photographer and he had the knowledge, and he mm-hmm. said. Okay, but you have a Nikon. Why don't you take this and that? And I recommend this and that, and take that flash. You can't do that anymore. These mm-hmm. guys are just telling you, okay, if if they have it, um, we have to order it, and um, or you just buy it via eBay or Amazon. Right. And um, even those manufacturers who are still producing nowadays, they 
they can't work with uh, retailers. So we said, uh, we're gonna have that in our silver grain lab, people can come, they can try it, and we just taken the position of the uh, of the retailers who were at the time really explaining the product. So you had to feel it, and most of the time when you just feel something, uh, also the, the demand comes, oh, I wanna have it, you know. <laughs> We should probably clarify that we don't actually sell anything. But, no, we um, don't sell it. Yes, but we, exactly. <laughs> you know, we have our, our partner. I think this is where we kind of got off track the first time we started. Uh, you, you very kindly threw us the ball on the subject, um, but we got a little off track because we we're thinking that um, it really we have industry partners who are supporting the analog community mm. by making new equipment. And um, it's sometimes difficult to get it across to to the community at large that um, it's really worth it to spend, you know, 50 euros or 100 euros more just to get something that's new because you're really supporting the whole infrastructure. Mm -hmm. and, and they say, yeah, but I can get it cheaper on, on eBay. And it's like, you know what, why don't you just come over here and try this product because we're so <laughs> convinced it's really, it's absolutely high quality it's super and you know you've got service and maintenance on it you've got a guarantee and it's it's really worth it you're doing something good you're supporting the community and i think a lot of people were a bit hesitant to invest the extra money because there weren't any places where you could go and try it out and that was kind of one of the ideas behind behind the lab and one of the uh, and one of the one one big problem was for example especially for those people who are doing darkroom printing uh, they were using expired paper or they were using old enlargers which were not really adjusted anymore and um after trying these things out they just noticed oh it doesn't work it it looks not really perfect as i expected it and they just seized it and um if you just get it and you see how it works with fresh material with with a new timer and all these things you will be surprised how the differences are Mm. and how much time you save and how much money because also paper costs money you know? <laughs> that's true <laughs> right. um so so from so from this i obviously i'm looking at your uh, the website and and i see that it's the silver grain classics is the analog powerhouse behind <laughs> photo classic international um and so obviously there's many different sides to uh what it is that you're you're doing because it's the publishing it's the it's the photography school the studio the workshops you know the laboratory and everything so uh, i also really like how you also put uh, if there wasn't already a shop by the name we'd call ourselves analog wonderland because it's like you know walking into charlie and chocolate factory you know you've got all of these uh, all of these incredible sort of like analog things happening at the same place um does paul know that you were like yeah <laughs> we were, did you have a fight over it <laughs> no no we were just we thought when we heard the name we were like oh Damn, that was really <laughs> a shame that he's taken now. But yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, so so you've ended up obviously with the with the magazine, with the workshops, with the studio school and things. And I saw that um, another previous guest that we had on on the show, Lena Besnova, you you have this workshop coming up in Florence. So yeah. obviously that's that's not uh, the base that you mentioned, Marwen. Sorry, could you remind me where it is that you have the studio? In Germany, well, the studio is uh, in Bad Nauheim, which is close right. to Frankfurt, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 20, um, 30 kilometers away from Frankfurt, something like that. Right. And, so uh, 
he yeah. run workshops and sessions. When he, his villa in Germany was in Bad Nauheim, so very important to know for all the Elvis fans. <laughs> oh, that's really important, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The king was here. Yeah. You will be on holy you ground. To, this is kind of an in-joke, I'm sorry, because I'm really not an Elvis fan, and he oh, really oh. is. So it's one of those things that we always fight about, you know. Who, who are you a fan of, Karis? Oh, gosh, you know, I'm actually more of an Eric Clapton fan. I'm oh, like, okay, okay. That, that kind of old school. <laughs> old school, I suppose. Yeah, and a lot of classical music, of course, as well. Of course, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so obviously you have your site there, but um, I've seen that as part of the Photo Classic um, uh, Academy, you're looking at doing this workshop in Florence in, in partnership, I guess, with Lena. Is that how that's working? Yes, yes. Do you want to well, tell us a little bit about that? Us, mm-hmm. um, since the first issue, she wrote mm-hmm. as a as an as a contributor, mm-hmm. and um, we did a few months ago, and we opened the lab. She was also there, and uh, yeah, we did a lot with Lena in the past. Yes, mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be a cool workshop, I think. I it looks amazing. Yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful setting. I mean, how can you really go wrong um, <laughs> shooting <laughs> shooting film in, in in Florence? I mean, it's just going to be gorgeous. But um, yeah, I think it's also going to be a, a chance. We we've had the uh, the workshops in Brussels, large format yeah. with Christoph uh-huh. Wallinghaus, which was also super successful. And I think. Um, it's really it's a great way for us to we have a lot of sort of travel equipment it sounds strange but we kind of have a travel development lab so in brussels there is this whole way you know you could just develop your film in the airbnb space and mm-hmm. it was um it was really a cool sort of uh, especially with christoph because christoph yeah. is a very well-known large format photographer he worked for Lufthansa, he worked for nike adidas all the big names I think Bentley and and he still works till today on film mm-hmm. and um, that's also one of the things what we would like to do in our lab and our studio just to show that professional work nowadays on film works and that you can get amazing results and you can get really results that are very different from the digital workflow. Mm. That's right. Yeah, we we had uh, not so long ago uh, a guest on the show, Sandra Cohen, who mm-hmm. is uh, a professional photographer uh, specialising in 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 photographs of babies and children. I think mostly, mm-hmm. isn't it, Rachel? Yes, newborn uh, and um, yeah. But she, she yeah. has it as a as a, a, a differentiator for her business that she shoots only on film. So she and she shoots some wonderful wonderful shots as well. So. Mm. Is, uh, Just by the, way, the next workshop we're going to do is with the advertising industry. We want to mm-hmm. get it, it should be a kind of creative workshop for art directors in the advertising business. We're working there with a, a photographer who was formerly an art director. Uh, he's very well connected to the advertising industry. We want to get them uh, to our place and show them the entire workflow just to be creative uh, based on the limitations or so-called limitations of film. Uh, and we also, I don't know if you know Silver uh, Salz 35 in Germany, those guys who are doing motion picture film, um, they started to do advertising movement movies on motion picture on 35 millimeter. Right. Um, they will do that together with us. So we will have a motion picture part and we have a still photography part in that um, in that uh, workshop. Yeah, that's something we're hearing quite a bit now that mm. um, a lot of photographers are, are seeing um, 
you know, I don't want to, I don't want to diss anybody here, but you know, there are a lot of people who set up a new photography studio after having done a few weekend courses and buying their, you know, set of equipment at, at their local store. And they, and you know, they can do that. They just on a weekend, they'll, they'll set themselves up as wedding photographers. And, and it's really difficult then for the people who, who studied photography to keep making a living. And, and we are hearing that again and again, and so the people who had gone from film to digital are now coming, bringing film back into their packages um, just as a way to say, you know what, I can do this. And it does make, um, it's a difference. It's a difference in, in quality and something I can offer you that a lot of other people can't. Um, that's going to be in, in issue three. We have a couple of portfolios of people. There's um, a wedding photographer who's using large format instant photography as just um, part of his normal wedding package, not even an optional extra. He just comes with his, uh, his really lovely large format instant camera and makes these lovely pictures for people during their weddings and receptions and things. And uh, another guy who works with uh, A-listers in, in New York um, and, you know, he just anybody who you've ever heard of in, in Hollywood and, and everybody comes through there. And he does um, his whole set of, of digital photos, which are brilliant, by the way. They're really good. But then he takes out his film camera at the end and says, hey, I just want to do some shots for myself with this film camera. Is that OK? And and then he says he often gets his best shots because everybody goes, oh, that's great. I love photography. And can I see the camera? And then, then they get this whole rapport going. And, um, yeah, so we're, we're hearing that a lot more from, from professional photographers, that they're so happy to bring film back into their what they offer. Mm. It sounds like it sounds like there's a whole a whole portfolio of things going on, yeah. You know, which 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 sounds fa- fascinating and and fantastic as well. It's great to to hear all the work that, that that's going on. Um, it's yeah, you know, it's it, it, it think, things like this that that really do make a, a material difference to to re revitalizing the the analog community. So I'm, I'm I'm very glad to speak to you. Very glad to meet you both and and to talk to you about it all because I think it's a it's a it's a great project. Um, can I um, having having said all that, um, uh, we we can we can we borrow some of your expertise just for a few minutes as as we get to, towards <laughs> oh, the close of this conversation. <laughs> Would be our pleasure. <laughs> oh, yeah, if, we, if, we can, if we have any sort of expertise we can offer, we'll be glad to share it. Yeah. Well, well, let's see. So you can feel free to say no to this question, but but let, let, listeners will know. Regular listeners will know that that uh, Rachel and Graham and I are in the process of thinking of some new things to do for uh, in the name of the Sunny 16 podcast. And some of that is some assignments. Um, so we're just about to start out on this. We're just about to start our first assignment, uh, which which seems that it might end up with the theme of, of self-portraiture. But I don't think that's particularly relevant to to the uh, the question. But uh, I'd, li- I'd like to, to channel, if I, I may, your 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 expertise as editors of this uh, of uh, extremely weighty magazine by all accounts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got clearly, yeah, lot, lots of deadlines and lot, lots of stuff and, and, and lots of, of, of contributions to work through. Um, uh, it, given that we're just about to start out with uh, some assignments, yeah, are, are there any particular tips that you might give as, as editors so that we could look maybe more... Uh, more objectively uh, more constructively at the images that we make as we go through this to try and make the output uh, of our assignments um, uh, a little bit more coherent and and higher quality 
Um, well, I, it is a little bit different for you as a podcast. I mean, we're obviously a visual medium mm -hmm. and you are an oral medium. So that's a bit... <laughs> it's a challenge, believe it's, it's me. It's a bit different, isn't it? Um, it it I, has been noted in the past that it's difficult to describe a photograph on a, on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was more yeah. that we wanted to kind of expand what we were doing to make it um, more of an experience. So we did, we kind of ended up doing a... Um, uh, I, I actually uh, bought Graham a book for his birthday, which is a photography book and was recommended to me by one of the uh, fantastic women in the awesome female photographers group that I set up on Facebook. Right. And it was the um, f uh, photographer's playbook kind of thing. And there were, you know, over 300 different assignments and things in it. Uh, and so we thought, actually, it'd be kind of nice to try and do this one. We've got an hour. We each go off. We shoot a roll of film and we basically record our experiences of doing it. So as a kind of like way of, you know, changing, developing, um, upskilling, shall we say, the uh, the podcast. We wanted to try something different and we thought we would expand that into a whole other range of um, assignments. So it, the idea being that it's more about how we approach it and, and how we might, um, you know, come up against different challenges and things uh, and overcome those. So any kind of tips that you might have from uh, from that side of things rather than necessarily um you know worrying about how to describe the image um <laughs> that well, that would be much appreciated <laughs> well actually what you just said about um how you came across the idea for that book is one of the ways that we get some of our our best tips is just by interacting with the analog community which mm. is something i know that you guys do a lot of but um we we definitely surf the Facebook and Instagram and all those kind of groups and just see um, you know what's what are people talking about and and that kind of thing. And I'm not saying that everything that people are talking about on Facebook is something that you really want to bring into a podcast mm -hmm. or a magazine <laughs> by any means. Um, but you know, like I said um, before, actually, I don't remember if we were already recording at that point, but we, we do have a contributor in the next or a portfolio in the next um, in the next issue of uh, a man who's who is a professor of photography and also was studied, you know, to be a cosmonaut and this kind of thing. And he's he's from Russia. And I never heard of him before in my life. I just kept seeing his images pop up in, in some of the groups and they always caught my eye. And I just thought, this is there's something special about this. And and even though it was just, you know, this tiny little postage stamp size thing, um, I just thought something catches me about that. Mm -hmm. And I want to find out more. And so then I contacted him. I thought, okay, yeah, there's a reason there's something that was really catching me because he's brilliant and not just these series that we're going to be featuring, but he's got a whole bunch of other series. And I never in a million years would have found out about it because he doesn't speak English. Um, and we've been working literally through Google Translate from Russian to, to English the whole time, trying to get the whole thing set up. But um, this, the analog community shares connections, and um, I think it's a, it's a brilliant way to get inspired to find these topics that are then really fun to dig into. 
So inspiration is out there everywhere, basically, isn't it? And and just kind of being open to that, I guess. I suppose a question for both of you would be, what is it that um, catches your eye um, when you're looking at work? Because we've obviously talked about how your first edition was 130 pages and, and the rest of them have been 100 pages, haven't they? Um, obviously, at the time, originally, it was um, you messaging people um, to get contributors and then saying yes and I'm pretty sure that you probably get even more than you're able to feature now um so so there has to be some way of you deciding what you would use in the magazine what you what doesn't isn't quite the right fit and also what catches your eye and what doesn't so maybe there's something around that that you could help us with any suggestions Wow. Well, I think um, for us, we need to find a good balance for each issue. Um, We want to keep it definitely international. Mm -hmm. Um, So we try to have contributors from all sorts of different sections, also with different visual styles so that we have a good balance. We like like to have a good balance of black and white and color, different formats, Mm -hmm. different styles. And um, that's something that we it's really important so that you have a kind of a page through value. And um, it's important to have things that, that really catch your eye as you're flipping through and some other mm. images that you might not really appreciate when you first get through. But when you sit down with your cup mm. of coffee, that mm-hmm. at some point you kind of think, wow, yeah, I totally missed that at first, but that's brilliant, you know? And mm. and that combination of of different kinds of images is I think it's, it's important. So I would just say, as long as you're doing a series, um, then you could think about finding a balance over the course of the series, you know, of different types of images that you could talk about different types of creative process processes. Like that. that sounds great. What do you think, Aid? <laughs> I'm quite impressed by all of that. Actually, I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think I might need some time out to process that actually and, to, and, 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 and figure out what to do with it. I, this is going to be this, this whole set of, uh, uh, of assignments is going to be interesting for me because I, I have a whole lot of, I have a whole lot to learn out of this. Um, for me, um, in a lot of ways, you know, photography is, is my time out hobby. Um, it's, it's the, it's the part of my life where I don't have any deadlines. I don't have anybody looking over my shoulder asking me to, to produce things. So I, d- I also don't have to think about it too seriously. So, mm-hmm. so I, I'm going to need all the help that I get, I can get, I think. So I should, I should. Was, uh, I really, it's really <laughs> funny because we come to it from a very different, sorry. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Um, Moment you start to think too seriously about your photography project, uh, you also have a problem because then (laughs) you don't get really a good result. Yeah, and this is actually kind of what I was going to say, actually, Marwan, because I come, I'm coming to it from a very, from basically the opposite side of it from aid, uh, and going, oh, it'd be so nice to do something that's just for fun and and kind of, you know, (laughs) it's not for a client. I'm not having to shoot film for 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 some very specific and what have you I'm like oh this is going to be like playtime you know <laughs> the thing that you don't normally get to do so well, um, good point Rach maybe I'm maybe I am taking it and, and Marvan as well maybe I am taking it just a little bit too seriously I, do you know what it, it, it is it, it is definitely though something for me where I, I, I do have uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to having a requirement 
Um, you know, uh, I, I, uh, and again, this is something that regular listeners will know is that uh, in 2018, I had, I had quite the slump in my photography, um, <laughs> where I, I didn't shoot much at all. Um, uh, certainly the, the least amount I've shot probably ever since I, since I got the photography bug in the first place. And I've made a, a chunk of effort, uh, in the last, yeah, six months or so to, to, yeah. to get out of that and, and actually doing well. So I'm looking forward to, to, to having something to to uh well to 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 produce something something to produce and and something that maybe will attract some kind of um external uh criticism as well in, in the constructive critique. in the constru- yeah yeah critique in the constructive sense of course <laughs> um actually that's um just just brought uh, up a thought for me um in terms of people um, contributing to Photo Classic and, and, and what have you, um, do you always look for a series or do you take on individual images as well? Or what is it that you're you're kind of like looking for? Are you looking for submissions? Are you looking for that? Or, or do you already have the next 600 uh, issues in mind? <laughs> Uh, we're definitely looking for, for submissions. And if I just could go back just for one second to what you're saying, I think it sounds like you have a really brilliant recipe because the combination of having a sort of an assignment and a deadline, but also being able to let yourself feel like it's it's free playtime and you can really dig into something that you're excited about, that's the perfect combination. Because sometimes if you don't have a deadline, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll kind of do that. And then you waffle about. And um, <laughs> it's, you know. That is having- my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> but then also if you have a deadline but you're not really that excited about the personal project then it's also no fun but that that combination sounds sounds perfect to me so so good on you um yeah but otherwise as far as our um submissions and things yeah we're definitely always looking for people because um you know who knows there's a lot of people that we may not come across especially from you know all sorts of wacky and wild corners of the the earth you know and um i guess what we what we usually feature would be either someone who has um, a particular technique, um, a particular style, they come from somewhere that's unique, or they have a special story that goes with their photography, you know? And there's there's a huge bandwidth there, yeah. actually, of, of interesting stories that would be interesting to, to readers in the, in the analog community. Um, we don't usually feature just a single image unless there is like a very special story to tell around that one image. That would be, um, you know, that would be a cool story as well. But usually we'll, we'll have a, a series of five or six images. Now, they may not all be of the same type. It may just be representing that photographer and they have a large body of work or a breadth of work that they enjoy doing. But sometimes it's a very specific series. So we're fairly flexible about that. But it's just... Um, it's good for us to have um, content that we think is the analog community and our readers will be interested in seeing and that they can also relate to and, and be inspired by. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you sounds what. Good to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, it sounds good to me too, right? It sounds, it sounds good to me too. Okay. Well, I, I think we're probably uh, at a point where we, we, we should probably be letting you get back to your deadlines, guys. <laughs> was that a good enough break for you to feel like oh are you actually going to be able to go back to it i know there was discussion about this before we started recording (laughs) well it's a it's an hour later here than it is yeah it's coming it's coming up 11 o'clock at night you you, you want to 
would be. We will just have a tea. <laughs> tea. I was going to go with something alcoholic, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's once it's all submitted and off at the publishers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we will probably get back to the deadline crunching tomorrow. But this has been um, actually it's been quite inspirational for yes. us, too. It's fun to talk about, you know, mm -hmm. just this whole analog connection and, and photography connection and music connection and all that kind of thing. It's why it's why we're doing what we're doing. So it was great to talk to you. And wow. it's just to say um, there in the last two years, so many things happened and we met so many interesting people. And especially at the point where you thought you have seen everything, something totally wow, new just comes in front of you. And, and you it's always exciting. It's a wonderful journey to say. Absolutely. It's um, about the people that you meet in it as well, isn't it? And uh, uh, conversations that I've had with people I never would have had had I not been part of the community, you know, and uh, and going out and, and speaking to people about the, the things that we, that we love, that we're passionate about, that we exactly. care about. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so if anybody was interested in um, one, maybe submitting some work or generally having a conversation with you guys um, and two, uh, last but not least, obviously purchasing the magazine, the Photo Classic magazine, uh, how would they go about doing that? We have our website, which mm -hmm. is uh, www.photoclassic, that's P-H-O-T-O -O, with the K's here, K-L-A-S-S-I-K minus international.com and um some people try to go order from the german photo classic so don't forget the the international mm -hmm. and don't get any c's in there there's no c's it's only k <laughs> um and that's where we we really have everything there's uh, the info at um photo classic minus international that's where you can reach us if you're interested in submitting or you know opening conversation and our web shop has um, all the copies of the magazine, as well as ways to connect with us with the um, the Photoshop uh, Classic uh, Photoshop. Oh gosh, it is late. Photo Classic Academy, <laughs> um, or yeah, our studio and and lab here in Bad Nauheim. And we ship worldwide. I mean, so yeah, exactly. Wherever you are, <laughs> there are advantages to the digital age. We have. To admit it yeah <laughs> absolutely, absolutely and um uh and in terms of uh, social media and what have you are there any in particular where you guys hang out where where people might be more likely to find you than not <laughs> yes we definitely we have um a large following on on facebook which is also just the, the magazine photo classic international um we also have silver grain classics that is also um on on instagram mm -hmm. and then we have a twitter account as well so, um, yeah, we have a, a lot of humorous posts on our <laughs> class on uh, the Facebook sites and things. So, no, we're um, still at the beginning, to be honest. I mean, just yeah, that's be, true. We, we, we can definitely use more followers and yes, more people exactly. to uh, make uh, humorous comments. <laughs> Follow on, us yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, All right, great. Well, thank you very much for jo thank you very much for joining us, um, uh, and and good luck with the the current uh, issue uh, that that you're racing to get out. Thank um, you very much. That's my files. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, this has been uh, the Sunny Sixteen podcast show number one hundred and fifty nine. Um, you can find us on the internet as well. We're Sunny Sixteen podcast pretty much anywhere. Um, Rachel, any particular internet places that we've got stuff going on this week? Do you know? 
internet internet places the, there's always bits and pieces happening on um instagram's probably the best place to find us um or myself and graham over on uh, on twitter as well um and uh, of course you know you can also follow me if you like um on instagram i'm little vintage photography for my education side of things and little vintage weddings for my analog weddings Mm, interesting good stuff thanks rach all right uh well uh we will play you out now uh with music from rachel's band rocker uh you can get their album uh promises i should have kept on our apple and itunes and spotify <laughs> no hang on yeah itunes and spotify oh, i never get this bit right i know i don't know why it always trips you up never mind uh, because spotify, because uh, as, 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 as a wise guest once said it's quite late now <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true thank you very much caris guys you've been amazing we've really appreciated it yes really yes absolutely and listeners it has been an honor to speak to you all we will be back again this time next week goodbye goodbye And welcome to a little bit of extra something at the end of the show. I am here with the wonderful Hannah Brown from Lomography. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me bright and early in the morning. Not a problem. Pleasure. Uh, I have caught you at what is probably a very busy time for you because you launched the Kickstarter yesterday for Lomochrome Metropolis. How's it all going? Really well, thank you. We've... Um... It's we've sort of over halfway on the target. It seems to have had a lot of positive interest. So yeah, I think we're happy for the moment. We're just hoping now to reach the target. Yeah, I don't think there's really any worry of that. I'm looking at the Kickstarter page now, and your goal in in good English pounds, which is all we care about, is <laughs> whilst we still have them, is um, eighty thousand five hundred, and you're already at fifty eight thousand yeah. on literally 24 hours into it yeah. so that's pretty spectacular it's amazing because um, it's it's not a small goal um but film is not an expensive item um so a lot of the a lot of the sort of the backing levels are not that high well, so to to get up to that number selling film it's no mean feat yeah so we realized with this one that the sort of um the amounts were a little bit smaller this time, so we'd have to get more backers. So it, we took a bit of a risk, and we, but we just sort of we've had for film in the past couple of years that this is why we're doing this because market out there for people who really are interested in film. So it's when you do a Kickstarter, don't you? Because you're never quite sure how it's how people positive so far, um, and it and it's different and it's exciting and it's kind of part of that resurgence of. of of the film world that people are really interested in again yeah absolutely and i mean and also you talk about you want to put it out there and see what the response is like i mean metropolis is quite a distinct film it's got a look that is very much its own look and um it is going to be not for every situation it is going to be divisive some people are going to absolutely love it but some more traditional people uh are going to look at that and go well when would i use that so um what has the sort of 
what feedback have you got so far from people who are getting their first eyes on this yesterday? Um, I mean, it's generally been quite positive. Obviously, we've only been, it's only been live for a certain amount of time, but everyone at the moment is quite, you know, everyone's quite excited because this, this is quite a different thing. Um, mm. And yes, it is a very specific kind of look, um, but it is brand new. So it's a brand new emulsion. It's a brand new sort of um, setup with the, with the, the negative, that you know, like the technical side of things. They've really worked on something different. And um, people have been comparing it to expired uh, slide films that they're saying mm. it's got similar tone to certain other kinds of films. Um, which is good. I mean, it's natural that people are going to compare it to others. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it, it's going to suit some people. It's perhaps not going to suit other people, but you, I think you get that with, you get that with any kind of film, don't you? I know that when I shoot with film, um, depending on what film I've got, depends on how or what I take pictures of. So if I have a roll of black and white, I'll shoot quite differently to if I've got a color or if I've got a slide, because you just well personally you kind of shoot different things because you know it's going to get a different effect you know if that makes sense so with this film it, i imagine it'll be similar it'll suit some people um and, and perhaps not others but mm. you know it's definitely worth giving it a try because you'll get some effects that you would never have got before i think uh, absolutely and and this does follow in the pattern or in the sort of the path that you've taken before with films with um the hugely popular lomochrome purple and before that there was lomochrome turquoise you you've you yeah. have hand films that have a very very distinct look that have been incredibly popular before so i think this is um and we already have some fantastic color negative films out there that oh <laughs> good all-round film so you know we arguably we didn't need another one of those anyway something that is standing out on its own it is a, a really good thing have you had a chance to shoot with it yourself yet i haven't we've literally had a couple of test rolls that we've sent to like professional photographers to test out uh and to get their feedback so that they can kind of you know improve it over the you know over the past couple of years or however long they've been testing this out but we i haven't had a chance to get near it which is a shame <laughs> but hopefully... it is a shame i think it's an outrage <laughs> frankly <laughs> but they have you know they have a specific set of roles tester roles from the factory and then they they've been sending it to i think vienna have tested out it out in the usa because the usa market have got loads of links to lots of really good photographers so they've been sort of um because they've got limited quantities, obviously, to test. So it's yeah. come to the UK. But um, hopefully, hopefully, we'll get a couple of roles. I don't know when. It, it will be probably after the Kickstarter to test yeah. out and send to some photographers. But I'd love to try it. I mean, it's I really like to have a go at changing, you know, um, switching the ISO and seeing the difference between, you know, the different settings. Yeah, that, actually, that's a great leading because that was something I specifically wanted to ask you about because the, it does mention on the Kickstarter in the, and I think it's been a thing in the past about this idea of an extended ISO. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about what does that even mean? <laughs> because because <laughs> oh, I can go, oh, good, oh, I'm glad it's got that. What on earth? Um, so <laughs> well, I think it's. I mean, I don't know the 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 complete technology of this, but it's um, it's the idea is that you can shoot rather than just shoot on one iso i mean people push and pull films all the times don't they um but yeah. you with this one 
if you um, if you shoot at 400 ISO, you're going to get a slightly higher contrast, um, slightly poppier blacks. I think there's actually some examples, I think, possibly. Um, and then obviously you can shoot at 100 ISO and then it will be a little bit softer. So, so I think the idea is that with this film, you've, it, you've got that extra level of experimentation, you know, yeah. so it just it, it kind of opens it up. So people can sort of really play and experiment with it and they're not fixed, you know, to, to it being one ISO and one only. Otherwise, everything will get washed out. It's got a kind of a, a wider gradient. And I think that has something to do with the crystals on the negative, on the emulsion. But yeah. I, don't, I don't know fully the technology of it, but I can find out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the thing that it put me in mind of when I read it was um, when you're shooting red scale, um, and then it, sort of the, the choice of um, ISO you shoot that at affects the uh, intensity of the colour shift that you get through the red scale. So if you shoot it at very high ISO, you're going to get different, you know, a different look to if you shoot it at a lower ISO. And um, you know, and it's, I mean, I think it mentions in the in the um, Kickstarter that. Uh, you know, in shady areas, it's gonna. You might see more sharpness, and it actually gives quite a good breakdown of what has been found so far with it, how it's responded to colours and different lights. Um, but as with everything, as you were just saying, a limited number of test rolls have gone out so far, um, and really, until this Kickstarter delivers, um, that's when the rubber will meet the road. Because at that point, everyone is going to try everything with this film, and yeah. it's. And that's it's what's so be... exciting because it's, you know, we've got, we've had people test it out. We've had people say some really nice things about this film. Um, but when it, it, when it goes out to the community and people, you know, you'll have people use shooting with their SLRs or with the LCA or with, you know, little automatic, different kinds of cameras with different lenses, different settings. So you're going to get a whole range of different effects. And that's when it gets really exciting when, when the community start testing it out and, you know, doing double exposures and playing around with settings, you know, I mean, it's exciting. I can't wait for people yeah, to get it in it, their hands, really. It really is. I mean, this is the thing. Whenever a new film hits the market, it's like, oh, my goodness, what what can be done with this? How? Because you, you know that people are going to push it to its absolute limits in ways that... Yeah we would never think of otherwise um, it's like with the with the purple chrome i mean that's been so popular and and that's really fueled for us this whole notion that people want film and they want to try out these interesting colorways and the, and some of the stuff that people have done with that because obviously um same with the metropolis the the lomochrome purple is available 35 millimeter and medium format so you know you'd mm. have people um testing it out on old medium format cameras and just getting really beautiful crisps crisp shots and then there'll be people that would be putting it at different iso settings so sometimes it'd be quite washed out and gentle and then other times it would be really high contrast so there's a whole world in there you know of, of, of different effects if that makes sense yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things I did notice about the Kickstarter is that the film is non-DX coded. Now, I'm guessing that this is um, a decision, at least partly, because of this extended ISO range. Yes. Um, because if you put a DX code on there, then there's not much point having an extended ISO range because <laughs> you're saying to the camera, oh, this is the ISO you're going to shoot it at. Yeah. Um, do you, I, mean, I don't know whether this is a thing that uh, uh, Lomography sells. I don't think it is, but... Um, stickers for people to 
wang on the films because if you're using a point and shoot camera a, a sort of modern battery operated point and shoot camera a lot of those are just going to default to um i don't know 100 whatever they default to yeah um i suppose that's a case where because of the extended iso range it it'll cope with anything that you throw at it in that respect so, anyway won't it so you're suggesting that having like a pack of stickers with the different isos well yeah i'm just that's a you know, really I'm just good wondering... idea <laughs> gosh why didn't we think of that well, it's a cheap. Like there you go. You got, you got um a uh what's the word a a, a push thing. I don't know what Kickstarter t- 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 terminology is. A uh a push thing. What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll I'll put that to the board. You heard it here first. On yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think because I mean I'm I'm thinking about things like I mean I I know how much I love using my little Olympus Mew and I know if I chuck non DX coded film in there I think that goes to 100 as default which is great I mean this film will clearly take lovely shots at 100 but yeah. given that extended range it would be fantastic just to go oh I want to shoot this at 400 or or who knows what going forward yes, um, you could have a little pack of stickers with all the different codes couldn't you yeah yeah and especially given the fact that um the lamography audience love to use every film uh, every camera ever made that's what i love about your website you see if ever i find some weird camera and i can't find any information about it anywhere else somebody will have shot it and put it on the lamography website and gone, hey, here's some pictures i took with it Always. it's fantastic <laughs> um so at the moment only a few rolls of this have gone out i think the uh according to the faqs on the kickstarter you're looking for sort of main delivery, hopefully, uh, in February. Yes. How far along in development is the film at the moment? Because we, you know, we obviously saw with the Ectochrome and the Ectochrome 120 that, you know, getting film out can take longer than you think it's going to. And whereas in the past, Lomography Kickstarters have been... Uh, like clockwork you, the dates are usually fairly close and yeah. they ship like that and they're always on time uh, but that's always been hardware products in the past yes. um, with the instant cameras um, whereabouts is the film and is everybody fairly confident that February is going to be easy to hit or is it like yeah that's what I, we're aiming for but I bear with we're, we're fairly confident on that one I mean I know Lomography we're pretty well versed in um, getting Kickstarters out and we certainly, certainly wouldn't have set this up if we didn't think it was possible, you know, to come to fruition. Um, it's just about getting the funding to, to get it out there really. And yeah. I think as far as, I mean, obviously as far as I'm aware, it's, it's, it's so close. It's so close, you know, obviously yeah. you can see with the packaging's been designed and that we've got the test rolls and we've tried the test rolls out and they, they're giving good results. You know, it's a good quality. So it's just about making, because obviously we want to create things that people want, that people, that, that, that people are interested in. So if, if we can see that that's where it's going, then yeah, if we hit yeah. target, then it, it will definitely be able to get that done by February. No, no problem. I've got no problem no issues that i don't think yeah and um one of the issues in the past particularly with the lomachrome purple was that keeping up with demand has you know not always been easy um have there been steps taken to upgrade or expand the production facilities um so that because i i i think 
I think Lomacron Metropolis is probably going to be a very, very popular film. Um, I, I know from my conversations with fellow shooters um, that even people who may have looked at things like Purple and gone, yeah, I really like the way that that looks, but actually the look is a bit too distinct for the kind of shooting that I do. It's a bit too out there. But yeah. Metropolis is in a real sweet spot for going, oh, this is going to give my pictures a different look, but it's not Absolutely. so out there that it's not. Yeah, it's a bit more subtle. Um, and yeah, it, it could it will definitely appeal to a, a wide audience, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm just looking at some of the portraits in particular on there. And I, I think it's a, it looks like a really lovely portrait film um, for, you know, for, if you want that look. You can imagine that look, you know, going in the fashion pages on, you know, fashion shoots in that kind of really high end setting. But then also, you know, just someone wanting to take it on holiday with them. It's quite versatile like that. I yeah. Think. I, um, I think that's the big advantage, isn't it? It is a film that you, you can use it because as somebody who takes about, you know, two years to get to one roll of 35 mil film. <laughs> Um, ha- having something that you know you can use in different settings is quite a good thing. I mean, uh, yes, definitely. Yeah, I, I do know what you mean with that one, but yeah, I think it's it just gives it that. It's just versatile, isn't it? Um, it appeals to that 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 big audience of people that want to just try something new. I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, what was your original question? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I, I went sideways a bit. Um, do you think uh, is the plan to be able to produce this in? spectacularly humongous quantities to keep up with demand i mean obviously we want to keep up with demand you know it's frustrating to keep people waiting yeah um so obviously we're going to try and and get it produced as much as we can i mean i don't know the quantities that's all out of my hands that side of that side of things but yeah obviously we're going to do our best and if the demand's there which it has been for the purple chrome then it's just about getting it out there yeah um, i know that there was there was a few um with the purple chrome people did have to wait for the new batches to come in but we're working on that um and you know we, we've just uh released this our second batch of the loma chrome purple which was on pre-order for a while but that's all um shipping now so how, hopefully everything should settle it just yeah. takes a while for these things because you know i think nobody quite realized the demand would be so much i mean the uk market for film is insane people just love it they just want film they want it constantly so you know there's definitely something going on this kind of a resurgence right of of people that are interested in this kind of medium and that's really exciting it is and you know and i love the fact that that the lamography stuff in particular you you you've kind of always been popular with uh, and to a certain extent targeted a younger demographic than the traditional film you know i mean kodak and ilford and they target everybody um but lamography stuff has been more targeted at a younger market and the fact that th- that is driving so hard that is the most exciting thing really that the fact because that's where the growth needs to come from it's from the base um and, and i do think that films like this will, will really help push that um you've got on the Kickstarter, bulk rolls of this stuff as part of the offer. Is this the first time that Lomography has offered bulk roll stuff? I'm, I'm not. Yes, this is new. Uh, this is a new thing. Obviously, um, it's not something we've ever offered in the shops or anything like that. But a part of this, the Kickstarter, is that yeah, you can get um, a bulk roll of is it 30 meters? Yeah. Um, of the 35 millimeter, so you can you can load it yourself into the canisters. You know, so because some people 
you know, some people like 24 exposures, you know, just those little bit smaller. But, yeah, it just allows people to um, load their own canisters. Yeah. And as you've taken this step with with the Metropolis, is there any chance we might start to see bulk rolls of some of the other films maybe coming online? I I shot... I, as I said, don't shoot a lot of stuff very quickly, but this week I just developed um, a role of uh, Lomo 800, which I think I bought the photo show from you guys last year. Um, really? Man. should be admitting these kind of things. Oh, oh, the listeners know how bad I am. But that film's bloody lovely. I was like, oh, wow, yeah. these colours are fantastic. Um, and, yeah, I was... colour negative. Yeah. Color negative. Yeah. We have so much positive uh, feedback about that film. People, there are people out in the community that just swear by it and that just love it. Did what camera did you shoot with it? That was oh, that's a good question because it was in there for quite a long time. I think that okay. was in um, that was in actually just a, a, an SLR, an old Fuji SLR. In fact, things, <laughs> I brought it to the photo show this year, so it's it's been there a couple of times now. Um, but um, yeah, I was just I was really impressed with that. Um, the colours were spectacular and having that you know that extend not extend the the higher speed oh it's great i and and it's not even an expensive film oh it's great um i know we're not supposed to be pushing uh 800 loma film but um it's great check that out listeners um yeah it's it's a good film definitely yeah so do you is there any chance we might be seeing bulk rolls coming in some of the other lomo stocks going forward i couldn't possibly say at this stage um, because this is this is quite a new one, I think. Um, but if the demand's there and people want that, yeah. then I mean, I mean, why not? I mean, it, 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 I couldn't. I'm not the one to make the final decision on those things. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll see. Watch this space. Who knows? Maybe that's the next the next stage. This time next year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It's very exciting. Um, <laughs> one of the nice things about this Kickstarter is that you have managed to get a broad range of formats out there. You've got 16mm, you've got 110 you've got 120 you've got 35mm. Um, uh, I, f- I started that question and I forgot where it was going. Oh, <laughs> I, I remember where I was going now. Um, with the 16mm, have you seen... I don't know if there's any on the... Um, Kickstarter, maybe I've just uh, any films actually been made with the 16 mil yet? Um, I don't think I haven't. Um, with the movie with the use with the 16 millimeter, yeah. Um, I'm not aware of that. Um, I think that's still in. I mean, the, the thing is because with the 16 millimeter, we definitely wanted um, to produce that because there is a market, but it is a slightly more niche market, yeah. And what we've done is, um, we're, we're going to offer it as part of all the other formats but we just need to hit a certain amount of backers i think sure. it's 500 for it to actually go into production so that one is perhaps more um would more sort of in the development stages because it's a little bit more niche gotcha. um uh, but we i mean we the, i think we wanted to we wanted to have the full range just because it's it's just the idea that we're champion championing the film formats you know and, and we're not excluding anything it's saying if it's we're back you know film yeah. it's back yeah. and- although saying that i mean the moment you put out this uh, I, I think already in the comments you've got somebody going um one two seven and i'm uh, also i know elsewhere has been asked aps film to which i think we can all agree no no thank you to aps <laughs> yes. film i don't uh, think there's any plans for aps but we do get a lot of people asking um obviously i'm i'm not sure why that wasn't included um but 
you know, there's this sort of, I think that's the selection that we've got is a good selection mm. to kind of uh, fill all the gaps and, and maybe the other formats, uh, maybe they're more difficult to produce. I don't know, yeah. um, but, but there must be a reason. We always get people asking that um, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure what the deal of that will be. Yeah, well, I suppose you guys have got a, a history with 110 cameras, with um, obviously medium format and 35mm. It, it makes sense. I, I do hope that maybe some point down the line, 127, of all the film formats, that it would be nice to get a bit more film come out for yeah. 127, I think, is the one. And it, it also it feels like the one which would be the least of a pain in the arse to bring, yeah, bring back yeah. in a meaningful way. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, who knows what might happen in the next few years, you know? this this could be we, we could move into that area you know we, we just we're still sort of testing the market out in a sense yeah and um, with film um but yeah i mean there could be a possibility i mean that would be great because all, all the all the old box brownies and things they take one two seven don't they yeah a and lot the, of them do an awful lot of them do and that's the thing you can pick those things up for for nothing <laughs> for like yeah. the five, and they're just everywhere um so over the last few years, I guess going back here, there was a, 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 a lot of movement from you guys with instant, um, some fantastic, uh, you know, a, a range of fantastic instant cameras coming out, instant backs, um, and, and so you now have a, a great selection across a wide range of instant cameras. Um, and then more recently, we've seen the Lomochrome Purple getting um, prioritised in production and now obviously Metropolis. Um, would you like to hope, <laughs> speculatively, that maybe we might see uh, a look into production of, let's say, a new 35mm camera or something like this? Because we had the, um, I guess it's a few years now since the, um, uh, they're not called disposable cameras, are they? What's the correct term for them? The, oh, you mean the simple use The camera? simple use, thank you. I knew there was a proper yeah. name for them, yeah. Um do you think we might see Lomography perhaps start swinging in the direction of 35mm hardware or something? Uh, potentially. I mean, I could, it, everything's in the air. Everything's yeah. possible. Um, we're always working on pushing out new ideas um, within the film world. You know, it's about being playful, trying new things out and and just embracing the analog world yeah. so we're not going to just sit around and go right we're done now we're constantly pushing forward what can we do now what will people want what will be interesting what will make you know someone's experience like really fun and creative within film and accessible as well yeah. so we're constantly moving forward um so who knows yeah, yeah. watch this space is all i can say that's good that advice one. very good advice um <laughs> Just wrapping up then, Hannah, you've got, obviously, the Kickstarter page is the place to go for people to find out the most information. Um, I know we've got a link in the show notes from Backing Paper, and we'll put a link in this one, but if people Google, uh, Google? <laughs> if people Google whatever they want, if people Google um, Lomachrome Metropolis Kickstarter, they're going to get to the right yes. place, aren't they? Yes, yeah, and do have a look. Have a look at the pictures that people have taken, and just if if you have take any interest in film photography whatsoever, it's it's worth checking out definitely. Yeah, and you've got some um, uh, sort of early bird and um, stuff on there, so people can get it. People who jump in early uh, can get stuff cheaper than if they leave it longer. Is that right? 
Yes, definitely. And they're already they're moving pretty fast. Um, so I'd get in there pretty quick yeah. with those. But yeah, we always offer early bird um, sort of packages. So you can I think you can order sort of either five or ten rolls of um, the format of your choosing. And obviously it will be you'll make a saving through the Kickstarter, which is always the case with yeah. Kickstarters, you know, so it's well worth having a look. Um, if you if if you're interested in that kind of thing, yeah, yeah. which hopefully you will be if you're listening to this podcast, yeah, right, yeah. As I said, I think anybody anybody who just shoots film, so uh, uh, almost ninety nine percent of the people who listen to this podcast, I'm guessing, um, but do check this one out. Even if in the past you've looked at lamography stuff, lamography films, and gone, uh, no, they're not my kind of thing. I, I think this one is worth a look. Um, it is. You know, it is a more subtle look, but it is still a very distinctive look, and um, I I really like it. I think it's um, you know it's not going to be an everyday film for me, but it's definitely one that I will be checking out in the future. Um, there are some great pictures showing it off on the Kickstarter page. Where else should people go if they want to see example pictures of this film? Um, well, if obviously the Kickstarter page, and if you go, there should be, uh, if you go to lamography.com, we have a little magazine site there with interviews and things. And yeah. at some point, I think they'll start um, publishing interviews with the photographers. I don't know exactly when, mm-hmm. but you'll, over the next month, there'll be more and more content com- you know, being released from all our testers awesome stuff so yeah that's the best thing keep an eye on lamography you'll you will see more images um hannah thank you so much for finding the time for us this morning is very much appreciated and best of luck with the kickstarter excellent thank you so much thanks bye bye